So uh, this week's parsha is Vayishlach. All right, parsha Vayishlach. We're in the middle of the story with Yaakov and Esav. But before we start, so let's uh, keep learning a little bit of Tzidkas Atzadik from uh, Rav Tzadik, Hakayan of Lublin. A little bit of uh, different ideas that he shared with us in how to how to live as Yidden. So last week, let's get that going in here. So last week we began Tzidkas HaTzadik. We learned Os Aleph, number one. And now we're going to start the second Se'if, the second uh, focus uh, before we begin the Parsha. So we're up to Os Beis and Sezer Tzadik. Brachos Larosh Tzadik. This is a verse in Mishlei, which is Brachos, blessings, Larosh Tzadik. Are the head of a Tzadik. What do you mean a blessing is the head of a Tzadik? What does that mean? So before Rav Tzaddik explains to us exactly what it means that brachos are the Rosh Tzaddik, he says something fascinating. And that is the Torah Shabbat, the oral Torah, which is the explanation of Torah Shabbat, the written Torah. Um, so Mishnah and Gemara, there's a, there's a sequence. We know there's six parts of Mishnah, okay? Which, by the way, the word Shas is not really a word. It's an acronym for Shin Samach. Shisha Sidarim, there are six different parts to Mishnayis. Even though we refer to Shas as Gemara, it's really referring to Mishnah. Okay? The, the first Mishnah, the first tractate, the first Mesechta is Brachos. And the question very often is why do we start with tractate Brachos? Interestingly, which is good to know on the side, it is probably the most common tractate of Gemara that schools start out their children to learn with is a tractate called Bava Metziah, okay, which is in the laws of damage. And the chapter that's learned is the second chapter of Bava Metziah. That's usually the custom to start there. Why? Because it's the laws of lost and found. What we call Mashabas Avedah, the laws of lost objects. And the reason given for this uh, custom that we start boys out with with uh, what's called Elu Metzias, the laws of, is because before you even get into everything else, you have to know that there's borders and boundaries to your property, people's property, how to live like a mensch. Now, Shas, though, starts with tractate brachos. And there are other schools that always start with brachos, very first tractate. Even here locally, Epstein Hebrew Academy starts learning Tractate Brachos. That's the first chapter that they learn. In Torah prep, they start with Eilu Metzias. It's two different customs and two different reasons for this. What we're going to, what Tzadikin Lublin is going to teach us is why does Shas, why is it so important to start out with the laws of blessing? What's, what's deeper behind this? He says a fascinating thing. Listen to this. The laws of blessing start out Shas. Why? She'ikr hakol. Because the main thing, first and foremost, is S- you have to know who you're serving. Know who you're serving. We don't, we're, we don't just have derecheretz and act like proper people because that's the right thing to do. You know why we don't just do that? Because the right thing to do changes with society. Right? Changes with society. By the way, I heard there was a sponsorship this week. Am I right? Somebody sponsoring lunch? I want to... I 
So uh, thank you for the sponsorship. Do you want the learning should be as chus for your mishpacha, mitzvah and uh, anything else that uh, you want to be mukayim with? Thank you so much for, for helping us out. Um, so, um, uh, so getting back into this, das uh, elekeyadicha, no Hashem, right? To no Hashem. To know Hashem, Rav Tzaddik is saying, we have to, it can't be a subjective right. That's what we were talking about. It can't be a subjective mention of chayat because in each, each generation, what's right changes. So here's how it works. There's a derech eretz kadma There's a basic human responsibility of derech eretz. But there's also, once we start studying, a new level of derech eretz that only comes from Torah. And it becomes, yes, we started out menshech, but now, I, but now I'm doing it not because I feel it's the right thing to do. I'm doing this because this is what the Rabbinah Shalom says is the right thing to do. And all of a sudden it becomes very objective. It's no longer up to me to determine what's right and wrong. It becomes, I now have a guide, I now have a handbook that's letting me know this. So says Rav Tzadik, a blessing is to know, first and foremost, who we are serving. First, know Hashem, the achar kach of Deyu, and afterwards we serve Him. Meaning, before you even start something, you have to know who's this for, what's this about? Am I just spinning my wheels? Is this just, I need to do this? Or, or is this about building a relationship with, with somebody, with something? Masha'in came Bashar Mitzvah. Says it something interestingly. This is with blessings. By other mitzvahs, you don't need to start this way. A person's wearing tefillin. A person's, uh, you know, uh, doing a, a chesed. Whether or not you thought about Hashem at the time that you gave that tzedakah, or at the time you did the chesed, whether or not you thought about whether, the bottom line is, we got it done. Right? Even if I didn't think about the Rabbanu at that moment, the bottom line is, we got it done. But what's clear, says Rav Tzadik, mevur, there's clarity, shehabracha, when it comes to making a blessing, which many of us here have made today, ikara ha'yediya l'mim mevarcha, when we make a blessing, we have to know who this blessing is for. Okay, who this blessing is for. And this is why blessings are so common. This is why blessings are so common in our lives. Because what something is saying is, a bracha is knowing Hashem, and we have to constantly know Hashem throughout our day. The reason for the bracha is not only, I always thought the reason for a bracha is, oh, you have to thank Hashem. Right? You wake up in the morning, just, yeah, right? That's what you gotta do. You gotta show gratitude for the food. You gotta show gratitude for opening your eyes. You gotta show gratitude for being able to hear, for having for having clothing, right? And everything is saying this, something is more than that. There's more than that. And that is, it's not just for me to know Bracha's blessings are so common because the essence of a bracha is I know Hashem. And we have to know Hashem throughout our day. To know Hashem throughout our day. That's, that's what a bracha is. And he goes on to state something very interesting. We'll end with, with uh, this idea. He says, look at the structure of a bracha. Every blessing starts out in first person and ends in third person. Fascinating. What, how does it, what's the structure? Baruch Atah Hashem. Blessed are you, God. 
When you say you, that was when you're talking. I'm conversing with you. We're opposite each other. We're with each other. Right? We start, I'm, I'm no, I know you. That's atah. And then we take a step back. And we say, Elokeinu melech ha'olam. This is, this is now, there's a God, the creator of the entire world. It starts, I know you, but I also don't know you, which is why we cover our eyes by Shema, by the way. Not only to not be distracted, but to remind ourselves that there's a lot more than what we see. Sometimes you need to close your eyes to see further. So we say, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you, I, I know you. We know each other. And then we go on to whatever we have to say, whether it's a thanks, whether it's a praise, whether it's a statement. He says, look at that word. I thought it's you. What does that mean? The, the main idea of a bracha is to know Hashem. That's what it, it's all about knowing. It's knowing God. And he, we'll read it together inside. He says, brachos. He says, what is a blessing? Why does shas start with brachos? They all start out very personal, as if we're standing opposite each other. And then immediately, Hashem, you're standing right here and commanding me. And then we continue to finish the blessing. This is more hidden. Yes, Hashem, I'm, I'm here talking to you, but, but, but there's too much hidden in this as well. You know, kind of like you're in a relationship where you think you know somebody and I really don't know you. And this is really true about all of us, right? The, some people, the word knowing, you know, and say, do you know this person? Depends, right? It depends. Sometimes I imitate my father, who would say, I don't know myself. And somebody say, oh, if I tell me, no, he's like, I don't know myself. I'm not supposed to know him, right? But, there's, there's depth to that. There's depth to that, right? What does it mean you know? So, so some people knowing somebody else means you know they exist. I know the other people, it's, uh, do we know them? Yeah, I know where they live. But, and then there's knowing, right? And each level, and, and the word know, to know something, to know somebody, is a very, it, it's, it's so broad of a, uh, so, so broad of an expression. So wh when we make a bracha, says of Tzaddik in, in Ice Bays, recognize that it, it's this word ata, it's this word you that we're, that, the, that the blessing is here to help us grow in. What does it mean, you Hashem? I know you, but I don't know you. I know you, I, I know you're here. And, I know, and the more we get to know Hashem, the more brachas we make, the more we think about this, the more we actually will know Hashem. Because once we say in first person, all of a sudden we know Hashem so much more often and so many uh, other other times of our life. Okay, that's that's what Tzaddik and Ezbeis. And now we get on to the Parsha, Parsha by Yishlach. See, here we go. We're now up to the big showdown. Yaakov and, uh, is about to meet up with his older brother, Esau. And Yaakov is nervous. And it always, uh, uh, we should be bothered why Yaakov is nervous, by the way. Because we're talking about Yaakov. We should, we should be approaching this Parsha like, Seriously? Like Yaakov's scared? Come on. Right? Who's scared? I mean, you go through anything. A yid is never, right? A yid's never afraid. You have a bunch of, Yaakov Avinu has a bunch of, he's afraid. There's a lot, there's a lot to, uh, to grasp over here. But let's read the verses inside. By Yishlach Yaakov, chapter 32, verse 4. 
Yaakov sends angels in front of him. El Esav he's now returning home. Esav hears the news, it's all over the news reports that his younger brother's coming back. And originally Yaakov had to run away. Okay? Why did Yaakov run away? So, as far as Rivka was concerned, Yaakov ran away to save his life. He was scared of Esav. As far as his father Yitzchak was concerned, Yaakov left to go find a ship. Okay? And interestingly, this is what they were told. This is what they were told. Rivka, his mother, tells Yaakov, go, because you got to get away from Esav. And then what does she tell him to do? Go tell your father that the reason why you need to leave is because how are you going to hang around, hang around the Canaanite women? You got to go find a family member uh, in uh, you know outside outside the land, and therefore Yaakov tells Yitzchak, "I'm leaving because it's time for me to go find the shidduch." Um, which there's a very important halacha, practical halacha, the Chavetz Chaim learns out from this, and that is that even though Yitzchak was the father of Yaakov and Esav, they were adult, they were adults. And it would have been forbidden, according to the laws of Lashon Hara, for Yaakov to say to Yitzchak, I need to run away because Esau is trying to kill me. If you can accomplish the same thing, getting myself to safety, without speaking negatively, that's what a Yid is supposed to do. Yitzchak wasn't going to do anything anyway. It's not like Yitzchak, if somebody can help you, somebody can save you, it's fine. Of course, you have an obligation to go say, go over here. He had another way to get away. And this is, you don't need to speak negatively about it. It wouldn't have changed anything. So he said, I have to go find the Shaduch. That was it. And, and uh, therefore, when it comes, whenever, whenever we're put into a, a situation like that, one should do their best to wiggle out in a way where there's nothing negative that is shared. Again, to clarify though, only when there's absolute safety involved already. Not when somebody's, there's any sort of risk. When there's a risk, then it's called the toelis. It's a constructive purpose for that information and it's no longer in the category of Lashon Hara. Very often it's a mitzvah to share that information. But be it as it may, Yaakov's coming back from this extended journey away from his parents and he's coming towards Esau Achid. He's coming towards Esau, his brother. Artsa Seir Sedei Edom, heading towards the land of Seir. Okay. Now Rashi says something interesting. Vayishtach Yaakov Malachim. Yaakov sends a messenger, says Rashi, Malachim Mamish, literal messengers. Yeah, as opposed to what? As opposed to what? What does it mean, literal messengers? So uh, the the Zayar the Zayar Hachadash, okay, says something beautiful. He says the word Mamish sounds yeshivish. Right? He didn't say those words, right? Says Mamish. Yeah. Oh, Mamish. Yeah. Like, is, is that how you read the very first Rashi of the Parsha? <laughs> either, either tell me something or don't tell me something, but I don't need to know what yeshiva you went to, you know? So, so what's the deal? So the Zayar HaKadah says something fascinating. He says, actually, this that Yaakov sent three malachim, the word mamish, is telling us who the malachim were. Listen to this. He says, the three malachim, mem mem shin, the word mamish, were the malach michael, Michael, the Malach Malkiel, and Shinandiel. These are three different Malachim. Memem Shin. Yaakov Avinu sent the Malach Michael, Malkiel, and Shinandiel. Okay? Which, by the way, the numerical value, I'm not a big Gematria guy, but a, the numerical value of their three names is the Hebrew word Ezras, which is helpers, 
Okay, Ayin, Zion, Reish, Sof has the same there. And Yaakov had these three malachim there helping him along, um, alongside of him. Interestingly, that the numerical value is 677. And by Yishlach, Yaakov, Malachim, those words also are 677. Um, but this is what Rashi means by saying, by Yishlach, Yaakov, Malachim, Mamish, Rashi's not just telling, saying, hey, I went to a yeshivish place. Rashi's saying is, Malachim, let me tell you who they were, Michael, Malkiel, and Shenandia. And what, what is, what's this whole thing? So let's keep reading. Fayetzav osom lemor. Yaakov commands these three malachim, Michael, Malkiel, and Shenandil. And he says, listen, lemor, by the way, means to say. Very, very, we find this word lemor very often in the Torah. Vayedaber Hashem al-Moshe lemor. We've ever seen that verse, right? So art school translates it in context, which is, Hashem spoke to Moshe Lamar saying, this is what Hashem said, in actual, proper, exact translation, a lamid before a word means to something. So the, the exact translation, whenever you find the word is, Hashem commanded Moshe Lamar to say over. So it means Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, but it's important to read into these words that not only is Hashem talking to Moshe, but Hashem's telling Moshe he's obligated to tell this over to the Jewish nation as well. Whenever you find the word lemar, very important. So the Yitzavo Sam lemar. Yaakov commands these angels, lemar, to say over, Ko somrun la'adoni la'esav. So shall you say, la'adoni la'esav. To my master Esav. And these are the words, ready? Ko'amar abdecha Yaakov. So says your servant, I'm humbling, right? He says, I want you to make sure that I sound humble in front of Esau, and we're going to find a fascinating game, so important that we play this game in our lives. It's not, an, an, I'm saying the word game in a good way. So says your servant Yaakov, Im Lavan Garti, I have lived with Lavan, Va'echar Ad Ota, and I have procrastinated till now to return. We're going to go back to this verse, but I'm just going to read on what his statement is. I'm, I'm your, right, I've lived with Lavan, and I've procrastinated, I've got shar, I've got oxen, the chamar, donkeys, tone, cattle, eved, servants, shivcha, maidservants, I want to send them coming to you because I want to find favor in your eyes. This is the message that, that Yaakov is sending. Okay. A number of very, very deep, um, and again, deep means basic. Deep means basic. Quote my father, again, whenever people would give like big, she big classes sometimes like i remember there was one one uh, particular time i was uh, to be learning with him and afterwards he didn't even meet in a negative way at he was just, he was he was like searching and he says and now what like we listened to like a whole torah lecture and he was like trying to figure out like so now what like okay we hopped it and and but what's the application of this like where are we going was this just mental gymnastics Sometimes you're in a conversation with somebody and they sound smart and brilliant, whatever they're saying, but it's like, okay, I don't, I don't even know if to walk away. Right? Like, I don't even know. So mental gymnastics is a good thing in academia, and it's a good thing because it helps you think through things deeper, but really the goal is to have Torah. Torah means to guide. Right? It's a, it's a, what it's a, uh, something for me to follow. So th there's depth in what we are supposed to pull out from this. In, in our own lives. So let's go through this. What did Yaakov instruct the messengers to say? Im lovan garti. 
With Lavan I have lived. Okay. What does that mean? So there's one question I have on this. Rashi says, Garti is the numerical value, back to a gematria, and this is my question. I don't know why it's a gematria. Garti, Gimel Reish Tafyud, is the gematria of Taryag, which is 613. Now, I don't, I, I, if anybody has a good answer, I don't know why it's a gematria. It's the same letter. <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you, you got my question. I don't have a good answer to this. I don't have a good answer. Gimel Reish Tough Yud. Tough Reish Yud Gimel. Like, but I'm, I'm not sure why we're talking about numbers here when we got the exact exact same letter. So I'm really, you know, maybe unless Rashi is telling us a message and how gematrias work, I really, I, you know, I, but, but to me it would seem to be um, the, the same word. I, I, just to give an example, this, uh, when this, this is now 11 years ago, so we're, we're blessed to have twin girls and um, we were, when we were thinking of names, so I was actually running a high school program in Camp Hamachana up in Maine, um, in, in uh, Bridgeton, in Bridgeton, Maine. That's where the camp is located. And we had the source of having uh, Reb Hillel David, who joined us for a few weeks in camp. And we were going back and forth with names, going back and forth with names. And one of the names was that we were considering was to name one of uh, was to name our, our daughter after my grandmother, my bubby Bella, whose Hebrew name was Bayla. Bayz Yud Lamed Aleph, and I you know I started inter- I started researching the name. I was like, what does Bayla mean? Actually, it doesn't mean anything. If anybody wants to know, it mean, doesn't mean anything. But it, but it's an acronym. Everyone says our Bella is beauty in French and all these languages. Yeah, it's known as a beautiful name. Okay, very nice. But Bela, is, uh, is be- this, this is actually beautiful, is we spell it Beis Yod Lamed Aleph because I was told that it stands for Baruch Hashem La'olam Amin. Blessed is Hashem forever Amin. Amin is you putting a stamp on that statement. That's why Amin is a very important word. So some people spell the word Bela Beis Yod Lamed Hey. So uh, you know, I guess that 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 Hey is not the first letter of Amin, but but uh, that's how my grandmother spelled it too. She spelled it with an Aleph. Um, it, yeah, yeah, and some people, when you pronounce it in Yiddish, they, some people say, especially in Hasidic, they say Baila. And I've seen it spelled with two years. But be it as it may, because of this, because of this little bit of research I did, I thought that was beautiful. I was like, I'm going to spell it Beis Yud Lamed Aleph. That's the, you know, Baruch Hashem Mami. But we were, we were considering this name, and it wasn't a name that, um, that my wife was so familiar with. She doesn't have that name in her family. And it's something very interesting. Somebody once quipped to me, one of my friends, he had a, he had a baby boy. He's like, Menachem, you don't realize how many people you don't like till you need a name again. It's <laughs> <laughs> like all of a sudden, you got to name your kid that name? No. No. <laughs> it's like, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not it. Like, no. You know what I mean? So, uh, okay. So, some names ring a bell yeah, more. So, no, I was like, Bela, I don't. Still one to win. Yeah, Bela, Bella, Bella, maybe more. Yeah. So I asked, I asked uh, Rav David. He says to me, "This is a tangent from this Rashi." He says to me, "To name her Liba." I said, "Why Liba?" He says, "Same letters, Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud, Beis Aleph." I was like, "It's the same thing." He said, "The same letters, same thing." I was like, "No, you know, 
but according to the, you know, according to what he's saying, so it just adds to our question. Garti is not a gematria of Taryag. It seems to be the same exact thing. If Bliba and Bela are the same thing, I guess Garti and Taryag. We're not dealing with numbers. Okay, but back in here. So, um, so Yaakov starts out by doing something very important, and there's going to be a, 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 a theme that we're going to find from Yaakov that we have to take to our personal lives. And that is, he starts out his statement to Esau by saying, let me tell you something. First and foremost, I'm here, I'm, your, I'm humbling myself, but his very first words are, Im lovon garti. Let me tell you something. I keep Torah. I just want you to know who you're messing with. So Rashi says, he's, he's setting it. He says, Im lovon garti. I have a Kaddish Baruch Hu on my side. But he's saying it in a very subtle way. He's hinting this to Esau. Yes, I've lived with Lavan, but Garti, I, I'm not learning from his ways. And if you look at Rashi's explanation, we'll read his words. Says Rashi, Im Lavan Harosha Garti, with the wicked Lavan I have lived, Vitaryag Mitzvah Shamarti, I have kept the 613 mitzvos. And I have not learned from his wicked actions. Okay? Rav Palm points out, first and foremost, how Rashi makes a discrepancy between keeping mitzvos and learning and acting bad. Isn't that interesting? Rashi doesn't just say, says Rav Palm, I lived with Lavan and I kept the mitzvahs. Rashi says, I live with, even though I live with I kept the mitzvahs and I didn't learn from his lifestyle. That's equally as important as keeping the mitzvahs, which means, going back to what Rav Tzaddik told us earlier, a person could, we could just go through motions and, and look the look and walk the walk. Literally walk, the, not just talk the talk. We walk the walk, but we're not, we don't live like Jews. We're not, we're not living with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, my personal life. Yaakov has to, has to put a stamp on his statement. Let me tell you something. I kept the 613, which we're going to ask on, because it's impossible he kept 613, but it doesn't make any sense. Okay, we're going to ask, we're going to, there's, there's, a, there's a fascinating conversation here. I kept the mitzvahs, but that's not it. I also don't act like him. You can act like loving and keep mitzvahs. That's what Rashi's telling us. Something we need to be very concerned about. I mean, for me personally, I need to be very concerned about this. It's, it's, it's not what we do. It's, it's really equally about how we live. Uh, you know, do we live, uh, do we live with the Rabbi Nishlein? Okay? Now, Moshe Feinstein points out from these words on this Pasuk, Moshe Feinstein in, in, in uh, Devar Moshe on, on the Chumash, he says there's a very important message in how we deal with people with what Yaakov is doing here. And that is, as important as it is to have shalom, Yaakov is making a condition with Esau. He's making a condition. He humbles himself. He says, I am your servant, Yaakov, in love on Garti. I want to get along with you. I want shalom, but not if it's at my spiritual expense. I need to also, <clears throat> I have the right to be the best person I can be. So do I want shalom with you? Absolutely, I want shalom. But if you're definition of Shalom is going to pull me away from all ten. If that's your definition of Shalom, I don't want it. 
So when we talk about this is this is basic, but but again, this is this is something that I, I you know that, that we we need to. to it, it's deep. It's a it's a it's a very it's a very important idea, very important idea that Yaakov sharing to get along and and is a call but not at our own expense. Means to love your friend like yourself. You have to be yourself first. You have to be yourself first. We've quoted this multiple times in Pirkei Avos, and I've shared this many times. It's something that I need to, uh, you know, we, we need to constantly remind ourselves of. But if we're always giving for others and we ourselves are not filled in, everybody loses. We need, that nowadays there's a big phrase, self care or whatever. I'm not even sure what that means anymore. Right? But you have to be comfortable in your own home. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin. The Mishnah Berkei Avos tells us, The doors of your home should be open wide. Your home. Your home should be open wide. Not that that home. If, I, if it's not my home, it can't be open wide. That's what the Mishnah is telling us. The Mishnah is not just telling us to invite people in. The Mishnah says, If it's your house, then open the doors. But if by, if by what's going on, you don't feel comfortable in your own home, this is not my house anymore, there's too much, it's open, is that it? So, then, so th- then you can't keep your doors open. You need to shut your doors, you need to, you need to regain control over, your, over my own life, over my own home. I need to be comfortable in my own home. And, and it would be absolutely the wrong thing to start keep inviting people in. If it's our bias, then we can spread out. Yaakov Avino here is saying, yes, Esav, I want Shalom. I want to get along with you, but not if it comes at the expense of my Tariq Mitzvahs. Not if it comes at the expense of me uh, living like a Jew. So now, let's get into the, uh, the elephant in the room of how in the world can Yaakov claim he kept 613 Mitzvahs? Okay? Nowadays, for us, we have about 77 or so Mitzvahs that we could keep. The Chavachayim lists about 77 that, that uh, nowadays that we have well, so many of them apply during the time for Beis Hamikdash and Omri Tekahanim and uh, or to a firstborn. It's not right. What, what did Yaakovino mean when he says Tariq Mitzvah Shamarti? And I'll prove it to you that it's not possible because later on in the um, later on in Parshas Vayeshev, Chazal teach us. Rashi says that his next week's Parsha is the sale of Yosef. And uh, he's away in Mitzrayim. He's separated from his father for 22 years. And Rashi says the reason why Yaakov lost Yosef for 22 years is because of 22 years that he didn't keep the mitzvah of honoring his parents. He was away. So that, that adds to the question. What, Yaakov is coming and saying, I keep all 613. First of all, not possible. Secondly, I mean, even if you're going to say somehow he finagled it, well, then what about next week's Parsha? That's a direct contradiction to this, which says he did not keep, uh, he did not keep that mitzvah. Very powerful question. Very, you know, uh, so there's, there, there's a number of answers given. I don't know if anybody here has heard. I'm, I'm not going to give you a straight, this is the, this is the pshat. I'm not going to say any answer which is going to be um, a pshat answer. And I want to preface for those who uh, I haven't uh, shared this with yet. It's hard to always know Know what was shared with who, but let's let's repeat it. From my from uh, our father Zechariah Lebracha once asked, um, and I only heard this at Shiva. I was sitting Shiva for my father. 
So one of my uh, close friends, a Tony Lieberger, who recently opened up a high school in Chicago. So um, Shlomi sat down by, uh, by my shiva, and he, sa- he told me that he was, he was sitting in the base medrash, and my father leaned over to him, and he said, Shlomi, what's the difference between a pshat and a terence? Both Hebrew words, and they both mean answer. Right? Sometimes people say, uh, they ask a question, they say, oh, here's the terence. Here's the answer. Or sometimes we'll use, here's the pshat. Here's the answer. What's the difference between a pshat and a terence? Okay. So Shlomi said he tried to give him a few answers. My father shot them all down. He wasn't happy with them. He obviously had his own agenda. That's why. You know, so my father asked him a question because he wanted to share his, you know, uh, a particular message uh, with his uh, with his student. And he says like this: "It's beautiful, uh, and I really appreciate that. I, I, you know, I personally think this in my own learning. I'm like, is this a pshat or a teret? My father ex- explained like this: that um, the word pshat is actually found in halacha from the expression called teshute kli'etz, okay? Which means like this, a simple stick of wood. Why does halacha say that? Because the rule's like this, impurity can only latch onto a vessel. Something that has a purpose and has been changed into something can become impure. Something that if, if, if let's say there would be a corpse, that touches a stick. That stick is not impure. Pshutikli, a simple piece of wood, is not mekabal tumah. It's not. It, it doesn't take on any element of of impurity. So, what does pshute mean? It means when something is in its original, rawest form. That's that's a pshat. Right when something is in its most original, purest, and raw, it no, never been tampered with. It's not capable of becoming impure. It's just raw and in its essence. So my father said he believes that's why a pshat is called a pshat. Sometimes, you'll, and I'll articulate what he means, sometimes you'll hear a question, okay, good question, and then you'll hear the answer. You're like, eh, maybe, maybe. You know, that's a terence. You wiggle out of the question, right? You wiggle out of the question. Who ate the last pickle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Not sure, right? Not sure. Okay, you gave a teretz. You gave a valid excuse for an answer. That, that's a, that's a teretz. A pshat. Sometimes you hear an answer. You're like, boom. Oh, that's it. That's it, right? You just like light up. You're like, hello. Wait, come on. I should have thought. You know that? That's for sure. That's it's it's stripped down. You you got down to the kishkas of the matter. That's a pshat. You know, somebody hears about Tara at the Shabbos, he's like, oh, that's a good Tara. It's a good Tara. It's like this. And he's like, boom. Like, that's a shot. You know, that's a, mm. yeah, That's the MS. Like, you, you know, you just feel it in your bones. That's a, that's a good answer. So with that introduction, this question of Yaakov, you know, keeping all the Tariq mitzvahs, I've heard a number of Tirutun, okay? Number of possible answers. Um, none of them have actually, like, nailed it in me where I'm like, oh, that's like, you know, maybe, maybe, it, maybe for you it will be. Maybe some of, uh, you know, maybe hopefully in the learning over the next couple of days. So if anybody does co- hear something on this or read something, um, I, I, you know, it's something that certainly uh, I'm still interested in learning more about. Okay? But I'll share, I'll share some of the ideas. One idea is, how is it possible Yaakov kept the 613 mitzvahs? Is from the great Chassam Seifer, the Gar Rebbe. The Chassam Seifer says that 
tell you why we know it soon. We know that when a Jew desires to fulfill a mitzvah, you get reward as if you fulfilled it. Okay? And how do we know that? How do we know that? Because um, the word shamar in Hebrew, which means to guard, also is to yearn. How so? After Joseph screams, after Yosef screams, it says the brothers got upset at him. The Ovid, but his father, Shamar es Hadavar, he yearned for the matter. What the Torah says, the Torah uses the word Shamar to represent yearning. Okay? So when your person is supposed to do Shmiras mitzvos, you see that the Hashem is hinting to us, even if I don't actually, in totality, end up fulfilling the mitzvah, I tried to do a chesed for somebody, somebody else already did the chesed, you know, not that I, on purpose, you know, uh, held off, I thought I wanted to, right? No, no, legit, like, you know, you're, so we get reward as if we did it. And therefore, Yaakov Avinu could say, listen, I was away from my parents, eh, but my whole life, this is what I was yearning for. I yearned, I yearned, but, I, but life gave me different circumstances. Now, the obvious question on the Chassam Seifer is, so why is Yosef punished in Netflix Parsha for 22 years? Why is, why is Yaakov punished? Right? If wanting to do the mitzvah is as if you perform the mitzvah, there's a Gemara shir, yeah? If you are the mitzvah, you perform the mitzvah, you got the thumb in. Oh! Right? You got the two thumbs, that's like a big question. Right? So, so why is he punished? He kept the mitzvah. So this is what the Chassam Seifer says. Chassam Seifer says, a, he quotes a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara in Chulin, page 87a, tells us, a law. If you steal a mitzvah from somebody else, you steal a mitzvah. Somebody was about to perform a mitzvah, you steal it from them. You're obligated to pay 10 gold coins, says the Gemara, to the person who you stole the mitzvah from. Gemara says. So, first of all, how could you put 10 gold coins value on a mitzvah? It's insane. You put a physical thing on a spiritual thing? What do you mean? First of all. Second of all, according to what we're saying about Shamar, didn't the one get their mitzvah anyway? If somebody tried to do a mitzvah and I steal that opportunity, I didn't take anything away, according to what we just said, because they also got reward for the mitzvah. So here's the two questions. First of all, how can you put a financial value on a mitzvah, 10 gold coins? Secondly, why am I paying for something I never did? I didn't steal the mitzvah. You still got your mitzvah anyway because you wanted to do the mitzvah. Those are the two questions that the Chassam Seifer asks. He answers like this. And this is the second thing that I need help with. Okay? Says the Chassam Seifer. The two questions really answer each other. Two questions, but one answers the other. Why? He says, because you can't put a value on the performance of a mitzvah. But, says the Chassam Seifer, you can put a value on the difference between yearning for a mitzvah and the actual physical action of the mitzvah. Again, when your person yours do a mitzvah, you get the same reward in Shamayim as you would if you actually perform the mitzvah. But since if somebody else steals the activity of the mitzvah, they took the physical ability of my guf, my body, now did not actively perform the mitzvah, I could put a financial, physical value on that. In heaven, it's all the same, says the but you did cause me to lose out. 
on the opportunity of an active mitzvah. It's a very, it's, this is a very holy idea. It's a very, very holy idea. And we say this all the time. We say, God, sanctify me. Sanctify my body with your mitzvahs. You know, what, you know why we bury bodies? You know why? What, uh, um, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the most prominent reasons why um, they burned the body. Come on, it slipped my mind. Cremation. Why is cremation forbidden? Because you're burning a safer Torah. Our bodies are holy. It's shameless. You don't take a safer Torah and burn it. You know how holy a safer Torah is? And the safer Torah is only here to sanctify us. So we're holier than a safer Torah. And our bodies actively have performed the mitzvahs the same way as Sefer Torah. Our, our physical bodies are Sifrei Torah. And therefore, to cremate a Sefer Torah, what's that? You bury it. You do it, you do it in an honorable way. It's insanity to do it. It's, our bodies become holy. We, our, our physical is holy. And therefore, when we say, God, you sanctify our bodies with your mitzvahs, the active, the action of our hands on the tilas yadayim. My mother would say this all the time. What, what's the blessing? You sanctify us al the tilas yadayim. What does those words mean? On the taking of the hands. Taking the hands? What are you talking about? What does that mean? My mother will explain. Because we're thanking Hashem for the opportunity to take our hands, which are physical, and like give, give eternity to. We're, every time we actively use any part of our bodies, it's it's giving it eternity. That that's it's eternal. That's right. So that's what that's how the Chassam Soifer answers this. The Chassam Soifer explains that Tariyag Mitzvah Shemarti means that Yaakov Avinu yearned for the day that um, uh, uh, he, he yearned for the day that he could perform the mitzvahs, and therefore he can actually say, "I kept all of the." I kept all the mitzvahs. You know, he didn't actively do it. Okay. Um, let's get one more. So Yaakov's going to battle with Esau. And the Malachim come back. And they say, listen, you know, Esau is, uh, he's fooling himself, okay? He's fooling himself. And this is, I just want to share this theme. This is not a, this is, this is Tyria, but it's not a, a, it's important to see the theme that's happening between Yaakov and Esau. Esau, Esau in his own mind was a tzaddik. Very important to know this. Esau was a tzaddik. He wore just an example, he wore a black hat, or he wore a strimal, or he wore a shekel, I don't know what he wore, <laughs> yeah, to, to make himself look religious, I don't know. But one thing's for sure, he looked like Yaakov. When our kids come home from school with Esau's red, it's a bow and arrow, you know, and Yaakov's like got his, you know, 18 gemaras under his arm, and like, eh. Esau also walked around with 18 gemaras under his arm. Okay, he looked like Yaakov, and he, thought he was Yaakov in his own mind. Esau thought he was worthy. He wasn't just this. This is how Rishonim are. This is how Rishonim are. They don't think. Well, everybody thinks they're good. They just convince themselves 
that what's bad is good. Okay? So it's fascinating to know how Yaakov, this is what, getting back to this game, how Yaakov's playing this reality game with Esau. And look, look what's happening here. Yaakov says to Esau, you know, I'm your servant. I've, I've kept the mitzvahs. And Rashi says, yeah. And, and therefore what? Not only don't mess with me, but you shouldn't even be upset. You know why? Because I know why you're upset with me. You're upset because I got the blessings from our pop. I know that's why you're upset. What were the blessings? The blessings were that I should have mital hashamayim, the dews of the heaven, and the fats of the land. I should have real estate. Yeah, I should have. Says Yaakov to Esav, Esav, look at me, I'm a nebuch. I'm a nebuch. What do I have? Hey, you're old brother. I've got a bunch of kids. I've got, uh, I have some oxen, some donkeys. They don't fall from heaven. It's not real estate. All of the blessings anyway haven't been fulfilled. So your whole thing that you're upset about these blessings, really a scam. They're not true. Rashi says this. Subtly. Subtly in Rashi. Rashi says, when Yaakov says, I lived with love, and he says, Lo sar, I never became an officer. Elager, I'm, I'm still... I'm still, uh, I'm not a native anywhere. I don't own land. Enoch could die listening to you. It's not worth it, your time, to, to hate me. That that uh, dad gave me the blessings. You're going to rule over your brother? What is that? I don't rule over you. I don't do anything. Yaakov Avinu is very subtly saying, I'm keeping mitzvahs. That part, of, you're not going to mess with me on. But also, Esau, these blessings... Nothing exciting. How can Yaakov say that? The answer is he's playing this psychological game with his brother. Does Yaakov feel he's not blessed? Of course he feels blessed. Of course he knows that any physical blessing is only a blessing if you have a purpose to it. Right? Just to be, you know, if somebody were to invest in Bitcoin when it was worth a dollar, and now they have billions off of one investment. Is that person successful in life? Well, they, they speculated and something happened. You know, they were blessed. You don't, that person's not, that's not a successful person. In the world we live in, yeah, yeah. Success means yeah, you, got, you got money to make. But you accomplished anything? You did anything? Are you gonna, are you gonna keep accomplishing? You gonna, did, you, did you put your life together? How, how do you interact with people, right? That person's not, not actually... Yaakov Avinu knows this, but he's, he's playing into Esau's mind. And he says, Esau, I know you think you're... Sad. And he's going on and on. But he also realized the gaps in Esau's mind. And for somebody to convince themselves so far that, oh, I'm still a, I'm a big tzaddik, I'm, a, I'm, I'm worthy of the blessing, they're also going to have a warped view of what a blessing is. And therefore, Yaakov is explaining psychologically Esau as if like, according to your shita, according to your opinion, and you're in it, what, what do I have? You're so into this stuff, right? What I walk away with, I didn't walk away with anything. And it's, if you look through the, the continuation of the conversation, it's really, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful um, learning experience on how to relate. 
when we're living in a life of a God, when we're li- li- living in a life of Kaddish Baruch Hu, how to be firm within that and to be solidified and have a backbone within that, but at the same time, recognizing what I'm dealing with is not is not a, a, a real world, but I need I need to experience with that. I, I need to deal with it. We, we do need to deal with Sheker. We can't just be people that are like, eh, a Jew, eh? No. You, you, what's your perspective? Where are you coming from? And not that we're bending, but talk within that talk within that um, uh, framework. Okay, a little bit over time. So much as we do on the on the, every parsha. There's really so much more to do. Next year, Mitzvah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so so much. Any questions? Uh,